0: I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello, one and all. I'm glad you could join us for the Guardians of Grace podcast. Truly, truly rejoicing that you're here listening to the podcast because I I sincerely love each and every one of you. And in last, the last podcast, we went over the verses from the Bible, the actual places in the Bible, in the book of the Bible that told us whether or not we as Christians were under the law, under the the commandment system, whereby we as human beings in our own human capabilities and effort and determination work on obeying the commandments and therefore living the Christian life by our obedience to commandments? Or were we under what is called this system of grace, which we're the guardians of grace. That's what this podcast is about. It's about studying the idea of whether we are under the Ten Commandment mentality system. If, if we're on the Ten Commandment mentality treadmill? Or are we on a new way of life, a way of life that is spoken of as being a way of life governed by grace? And the word grace has become a a hot button issue for some reason. And many, many people say, beware of grace. And for the life of me, I can't understand why, but there is a sense in which I do understand why, because I've heard some of the rationales people have said when they say, beware of grace. But that is what Guardians of Grace is here to study. What the Bible, what the Bible itself genuinely says about the subject are, in last week specifically, we asked the question, does the bible itself not people preaching not not anything else that we've heard does the bible itself tell us that we are under what's known as the mosaic law or are we under a new way of life and we're calling it the, the the way of grace so we looked at the verses that actually clearly said that we are not under law but under grace like Romans 6 14 which says sins shall not be your master because you are not under law but you are under grace it, it just told us verbatim which side of the coin we're on if whether we're on the gray side of the coin or the law side of the coin and it said we as Christians Are no longer under the law system. We're not, you know, we're not obligated to go by the commandment mentality whereby which we just try to use our willpower to the best of our ability to obey these commandments and call that the Christian life. It says you are no longer under law but under grace. And it gives a reason. It said, sin will not be your master, for sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. So that was one of the verses, and that's actually going to be the subject of this particular Bible study. Tonight we're going to study and see what the Bible says Specifically, why I, why the Bible itself would give us warnings about being under the law. Because the in the last podcast, we, we learned from Romans 6 that we're talking about now, and Romans 7, do you remember Romans 7? Maybe starting in verse 5, it, where, where it said, For while we were in the flesh... Meaning, while we were in our human nature, sinful passions were aroused by the law and were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now, having been released from the law, released from the law, we are no longer bound by the law but we serve in newness of spirit, not in oldness of letter. That's verse 6 of Romans chapter 7. We have been released from the Spirit, released from that which we were, no, we have been released by the Spirit. We have been released from the law to that which we were bound, and we'll get a better understanding of what it means to be bound under the law. When we begin to answer this question, why would the Bible itself warn us about being under the law? I'll tell you in advance that part of the warning is because we become in bondage, in bondage to something. But for now, let me just review, you know, maybe some of the verses that we went over in the last podcast, like Romans 10, 4, where it said Christ is the end of the law for those who believe. So for us as believers, the law has ended. And we have, as Romans 7, 6 says, we have died to the law and we no longer live under the law. But then as we get into Galatians 3, let's say Galatians 3, 3, which we'll look at, Galatians three three, but because it asks us a question, and it's kind of a question which lends itself to a warning. The question's a little bit rhetorical, but the warning is not. But let's start off in verses 2.16 of Galatians 2.15. We'll start off in Galatians 2.15. It says, we are Jews by nature, not sinner, sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through the faithfulness of Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by the faithfulness of Jesus, sorry about that, and not by works of the law, since by works of the law no flesh or human effort, which is what flesh means, will be justified. By works of the law no human effort will be justified. And let me reiterate that word, The Greek word sarts, which is the word we get flesh from, has many meanings to it. Each meaning comes out in the context of the sentence that you're reading. But flesh can mean your skin. Flesh can mean the meat that is around your bones. Flesh can mean animals like all the cattle and everything. Flesh can mean all of mankind, all humanity. Like he's going to war with all flesh. He's going to war with all humanity. Or it can mean your human nature that you were born with. It can also mean your human effort. Sometimes it's spoken of as your sinful nature because it tries to do good, but it it ends up sinning all the time. So they literally call it your sinful nature. But those are the meaning. Of this word sarx or sarcucus. And here we, we come across that word, and it was saying, by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. And in this particular instance, it would mean human effort. By works of the law, no human effort is justified. That's why he goes on in Galatians 3 3 saying, are you so foolish? After having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal by human effort, by flesh? The NAS would, would use the word flesh. Are you so foolish after beginning in the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal by the flesh? The NIV would translate it, are you so foolish after beginning in the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal of hu- by human effort both both versions are right because they're translating the word sarks and w- one the NIV uses human effort which is right to do one which is the NAS uses the word flesh which is also right to do but either way the picture is that we would not be wise to try and attain the goal of living the Christian life in our human effort after beginning with the Spirit. So consequently, that would mean we should try to attain the goal of living the Christian life by the Spirit and not by the human effort since we'd be considered foolish to try and obtain the goal by human effort. So there we see that it's, it's not wise to use our human effort and try and obtain the goal of the Christian life with the Ten Commandment mentality. That's what we're talking about when it said, knowing this, that man is not justified by works of the law, but through the faithfulness of Christ and not by works of the law, since by works of the law, no human effort will be justified. It's, it's giving us a, a warning about works of the law, or as in other passages, they call it dead work. But the question is, why are we being warned about human effort or works of the law? Why are we being warned about about as Christians being under the Ten commandment mentality just with your own willpower try as hard as you can to obey those commandments. Why are we being warned against them since it sounds so noble to try your hardest to obey those commandments and keep that as a lifestyle and never never stray from that lifestyle, be a a picture-perfect Christian by obedience to those commandments. The Ten Commandment mentality, why why are we being warned against it? Because now in our modern-day churches, it's completely backwards. We're being warned against grace and told to use the Ten Commandment mentality. Why would somebody warn us about grace? and tell us to use the Ten Commandment mentality. That's what we want to look at the Bible itself for to get that answer, because it does seem to be, warning somebody about grace does seem to be in opposition to this passage that we're looking at in Galatians 3.3 that says, Oh foolish Galatians, after having begun in the Spirit, are you really going to try and attain the goal of the Christian life by human effort? It sounds like as much as the pulpit warns us about grace, the Bible is warning us about human effort, or works of the law, or being under the Ten Commandments mentality. Now, this is the Bible. would not be arguing with me about this subject. You would be arguing with this particular page of the Bible. You would be saying to these scriptures, you behave the way I want to. I want you to say, beware of grace and get yourself back under the law. But these scriptures say, no, I won't. I'm saying, beware of effort. And beware of trying to attain the goal by works of the law, because you won't be justified by works of the law or by human effort. No human effort will be justified by works of the law, which is what Galatians 2.16 is saying. So we do see, because we're looking at the Bible, a clear contrast between the Bible and in certain people who are warning us about using the grace mentality or or using grace as the way to live the Christian life. So the question is, why would we be warned about putting ourselves under the law or this Ten Commandment mentality? Why is the Bible, because we're not talking about what people say in the pulpit or what I've been hearing, we are talking now about what the Bible says, and it says no human effort will be judged righteous by works of the law. So it's warning us against works of the law, and the question is why? One of the clearest places to glean that answer is in Romans 7, and I want us to go there because we're going to camp out there probably for the rest of the podcast. We may go on to other places, but for now we'll, we'll start ourselves in Romans 7. But before we do delve into Romans 7 and look at this answer as to why live the Christian life under the Ten Commandment system, I, I need to tell you that what we are about to look at what we are about to witness is a mystery that was hidden through all the times of the old testament when adam was on the scene all the times from then till till moses came on the scene 400 years later all the time that we receive the Ten Commandment, in the Ten Commandment system, which really comprises of 614 commands that the nation of Israel was under or had to obey. And from there, all the way till we get to the Gospels. In other words, the entire Old Testament, during the time of the entire Old Testament, what we are going to look at was a mystery. Nobody had ever learned what we will learn in Romans 7. None of those Israelites knew what we are going to see about themselves. What we are going to look at, they never knew it, yet it is a dilemma that Every man, woman, and child who has ever been born of biological parents has and cannot get rid of. And it was never spoken about till Paul revealed this principle, this law of dynamics that we're going to look into. This law of dynamics that everybody in the Old Testament had going on within them but did not know of. And it's the law of dynamics that caused every Israelite in the Old Testament to fail at living an exemplary life. So I just want you to realize how hidden this idea was, because you might just realize that the idea has been hidden in modern day christianity too let me know if if you were very very aware of what i'm going to tell you or you were hearing it almost for the first time or hearing it for the first time because we're going to talk about a law of dynamics that is very very important for a christian to understand it leads lets us know why we shouldn't put ourselves under the Ten Commandment mentality way of life. Why we shouldn't use our willpower to live the Christian life and obey the commandments? Why it was dangerous to do that? It was dangerous because of a principle that we are going to look at. So, with that in mind, let's begin by looking at Romans seven, verse seven, and. Romans 7 7 says, what shall we say then? Is law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would have not come to know sin except through the law. I would have not known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So without the law, I wouldn't have known about sin. I wouldn't have known about coveting and, and lying and the things that I don't like to see myself do. I wouldn't have known them if it wasn't for the law. So the law's not sin and the law's not bad. But here's what happens when we're under that Ten Commandment mentality. For it says in verse 8, Romans 7, 8, You may want to take a good look at this because it's earth shattering. But sin taking the opportunity through the commandment produced in me coveting of every kind for apart from the law, sin is dead or dormant. So it said sin taking the opportunity, it's given an opportunity through the commandment sin took that opportunity and through the commandment it produced in paul coveting of every kind it produced in all of us if it produced it in paul it definitely produced it in the rest of us because he was quote the perfect christian but it says it produced coveting of every kind for apart from the law sin is dead or sin is dormant. That word nekros can be translated either way. Sin is dead or sin is dormant. And then it goes on in verse 9 to say, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came in, sin sprang to life and I died. Meaning I, when I first became a Christian, I felt great. I felt that God loved me and that we had no problem, and I was happy to be a Christian. But all of a sudden, somebody started giving me a bunch of do's and don'ts, and sin took the opportunity through those commandments, through those do's and don'ts, to make me feel like death because it produced in me the sin of every kind. Are you getting that? Are you getting what these scriptures are telling you? Sin took the opportunity through the commandment, and it produced in Paul coveting of every kind, and it literally says when the commandment came in, sin sprang to life, and I died, meaning it became very active and it made me feel like i wanted to die i felt so condemned do you remember where it says in first second corinthians the ministry of condemnation is the law well then it says the ministry of the law is death in that passage feeling condemned the bible depicts as death that feeling so, so low about what you have done that day, they equate it to, to being dead while you live. So let me ask you, have you ever heard of such an idea or such a notion as this? Or is this the first time you've ever thought about a subject like this, about the idea that the law is good, but I'm not supposed to, to take the burden of the law upon my shoulders, in that there's a, a reaction to the law where sin becomes alive. It says sin sprang to life. It, it becomes operative again. But it literally, in this passage, is springs to life. In other words, it becomes personified as a living entity, Sin sprang to life and I die. A living entity that, as we're going to see, we wrestle with and it wins. But I just want to know if this is the first, first time you've ever wrestled with such an idea about the law. If you've come to such a revelation about this law, which is good, have, have you ever heard of such a notion? Let me go on. After I've asked that question, it says, And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. The commandment that I was putting my faith in, the commandment system that I was putting my faith in to obtain life, to live the Christian life, proved to result in death for me feeling so ashamed I can't stand it. So it's saying the commandment system, the commandment system, the commandment system, which I thought would make me feel alive and wonderful like when I first became a Christian and I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came in, sin sprang to life and I died. He's saying, so this commandment system that was supposed to, or I put my faith in to give me life proved to result in death for me. For sin taking the opportunity, and I'm reading verse 11 now, Romans seven eleven. for sin taking the opportunity through the commandment deceived me, and through it killed me. Through the commandments, sin killed me. Through the commandments, sin springs to life. Sin becomes utterly sinful, and sin deceives you. And through it, it makes you feel like death warmed over. You feel so condemned and so bad about yourself. And that's what Paul was saying. I was once alive apart from the law. I'd just been saved. I felt so good and alive and one with God. I felt great. And then all of a sudden I started thinking about do's and don'ts and sin became alive in me and made me go back to feeling ashamed so ashamed that I wish I was dead. Can you relate to that as as a modern-day Christian about how when you first got saved, how good you felt? And then eventually somebody started saying, but, hey, you should behave like you're grateful to God. And you behave like you're grateful to God by, you know, obedience. Let's quit smoking and let let's start tightening up, man. Let's you know, take on a bunch of do's and don'ts and and start behaving like we want you to and start behaving, trying to behave righteously. You see that sin becomes personified as a person that keeps you from living righteously like you always wanted to. So then the passage goes on to say, so then the law is holy and the commandment is righteous and good. We can't say anything bad about the law. Like I said before, the commandments were good, but the sinful passions were aroused by the commandments, and they made me bear fruit for death. I'm reiterating Romans 7-5. Therefore, we've been released from the law, released from that which we were bound, Romans 7-6. But we see... That, you know, that all all these things that we're, we're noticing, I was once alive apart from the law when the commandment came back in, when somebody started telling me how to live, sin sprang to life and I started behaving worse than ever before. And it's not the commandments that aren't good, they're holy and righteous and good, but it's sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting a guilty conscience through that which is good. Through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. See, the commandment's holy and good, but through it, sin springs to life and becomes utterly sinful. This sin man, this personified sin, becomes utterly sinful. And it affects me by condemning me so bad I wish I was dead. It keeps saying, you know, sin, sin and death, sin and death, sin and death, sin and condemnation, sin and condemnation, sin and condemnation. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came in, sin sprang to life and I died. I got condemned so bad that I felt like death warmed over, sin and death, sin and death. Sin and embarrassment. Sin and embarrassment. Sin and shame. Sin and shame. Sin and embarrassment. Sin and death. Over and over and over again, he's beginning to say things that I can relate to. It's a mystery that had been hidden for all the ages beforehand. In my life as a Christian, this was a mystery that was hidden from me. I didn't know that sin springs to life When I put myself under the Ten Commandment mentality, I didn't know that. And I didn't know what we're about to read either. But we are going to read of a principle that's just like the law of dynamics. And I'm telling you, it was like people took this page out of the Bible and never preached on it. Because I didn't know of this law of dynamics. But it it goes on to say, for I know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh. There's that word again. I am of flesh. I am a human nature. I am human effort. I am sinful nature. I am a human sold into bondage to sin. Do you get that? It says the law is spiritual, but I'm human and I'm sold into bondage to sin. Did you know that? Did you know that even after you became a Christian, you were in bondage to sin? And when the commandment comes in, sin springs to life and puts shackles on you and causes you to do what you do not want to do. This was something that was a mystery, once again, to all of Israel, but it was a mystery for me for most of my Christian life. I know at least 20 years of my Christian life, I did did not have any understanding of, of this idea that we're looking at. It was new to me, and most likely it's new to some of you. It says, I am human, sold into bondage to sin, Romans 7 15. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing that which I will to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Say what? Yeah, that's exactly what Paul said. For I am doing what I don't understand. I don't know why I do this. I am not practicing what I will to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. Can you relate? Ever since you've been a Christian, have you not been wanting to live the Christian life in an exemplary way, only to find yourself falling short and doing things that you never intended to do? Doesn't that not fit the modern day Christian life? Does that not fit your life? It, does that not make sense out of your life? It did for me. It made me realize Paul is going to tell me something about myself. And he says, if I do the very thing that I do not will to do, in verse 16, I agree with the law, confessing that it's good. See, as a Christian, I was alive and I felt good and I felt good. And somebody said, you know, you got to behave right, start doing the commands, living living under just the ten Commandments just listen, you know do not steal, do not hate do not say, do not smoke and all though you know what I'm saying you, you started feeling that you needed to have a bunch of do's and don'ts only to realize that you do the very thing you don't want to do and you're once alive apart from this, law when you first got saved, and then this commandment ideology came back to you, and you began to try and take the burden of living the Christian life because God has been so good to you, only to find that you began to sin more and more, and you, you completely agreed with the law. You completely agreed that that you should live an exemplary life since God took care of all your sins for you. But verse 17, so now no longer am I the one who's doing the sin, but sin which indwells me is doing the sin. Did you get that? It says, so I no longer am the one who's doing the sin, but the sin itself, the sin man this sin that was personified, is doing the sin in me. I'm not even doing it. It's the sin man in me doing this sin. This is what this page is telling us. This is a page of the Bible. I never heard any preaching on it, but when I saw it, I couldn't deny that it was a page of the Bible that was telling me this. It said, I no longer do the sin, but the sin is doing its thing in me. And he goes on to say, for I know, in verse 18, that nothing good dwells in me that is in my humanity, that is in my flesh. I know that nothing good dwells in me, in my flesh, in my humanity. For the willing." is present in me, but the doing of good is not. Did you get that? I'm willing to do it. That's present in me, but the doing of good is not. I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my human nature. Nothing good dwells in me in my human nature. Only the sin man lives in my human nature. That's why Galatians said, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you trying to attain the goal by human effort with your human nature? You see, that's why it was important that we read Galatians and understood that Paul, the writer of Galatians, was saying, you're foolish to use your human nature to try and please God, because that's what Israel did All throughout the whole Old Testament because they didn't know any better. And I'm trying to teach you to know better than to try and use your human effort because I'm telling you that sin dwells in you. That is in your humanity. And it puts you into bondage to sin. And it's not even you doing the things that you hate to do. It's not you embarrassing yourself, but it's Sin that lives in your human nature that is embarrassing yourself, doesn't it ring true? I mean, you sit there and go, "I, I, I, I don't, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. I, I know better than to do this. Why am I going to go out tonight and do this? I, I, I really don't want to, but I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm gonna do this. Well, that's sin in your human nature doing what you do not will to do. That's what we're talking about. We're giving you the answer. The Bible is giving you the answer as to why you do not do what you will to do. I mean, it's verbatim what he's saying on the page. If I do the very thing I do not will to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. So now, no longer am I the one who is doing it, but sin which indwells me is doing it. That's why he says the law is spiritual in verse 14, but I am of flesh. I am a human being sold into bondage to sin because it's not me doing it, but it's the sin that dwells in me. Please read. The, these verses in Romans 7, 14, 15, 16, read them over and over and over till you've got them memorized because they're telling you the mystery that you've always wondered about yourself. It, it's telling you why you behave the way you do even though you're a Christian and you can't seem to lick it. And you've tried to do the Ten Commandment system and keep that as a way of life, but it hasn't worked for you. And, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to admit it to anybody, but you know it's true. You don't want to come out and be that transparent, but it's true. It's true. You're doing the very thing you hate, and you're covering up your sins just like I was. And I always wondered why in this passage. Told me why for the first time in my Christian life. I was beginning to understand why. He was saying, In my humanity, sin actually dwells, even though I've become a Christian. It didn't die. In my humanity, sin dwells, and it's personified and it puts me into bondage to sin. But let's look a little more at this law of dynamics that we're talking about. Let me go down to verse 19, because 18 was saying, nothing good dwells in me that is in my human nature. The the willingness or the wishing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For verse 19, for the good that I wish, I do not do, but I practice the very evil I do not wish to. For the good that I will to do, I do not practice, but I do the very evil that I do not will to do. But if I am doing the very thing I do not will to do, I am no longer the one doing it, but it's sin which dwells in me. Again, he tells us it's the sin man who dwells in us that is embarrassing us, and that is making us not do what we know we should be doing. It's, it's sin in us that has caused us night after night to go, I should, I should, but I don't want to. I know I should, but I don't want to. Or I shouldn't, but I do want to. I shouldn't, but I do want to. I should give my, my tithe, but I don't want to. I should give them money. I should give this poor man money on the street, this beggar, but, but I'm not going to. It, Do you see what it's saying, that the sin in you? Watch this, it gets clearer. But verse 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wills to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. See, he's saying, I see a different law of gravity. Now we're not talking about the Mosaic law here. This is a small l law. We're not talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about a law principle, uh, just like the law of gravity. He says, I find a principle. I find a law of dynamics. Even though I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man, I see a different law of dynamics working in the members of my body, and it's making me a prisoner of this law of dynamics of sin, which is just like the law of dynamics of gravity, which is in my members, he says. Let me read. Verse 23 again, but I see a different law of dynamics in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of dynamic of sin, which is in my members. Let me just read that uh, starting at verse 20. But if I do the very thing I do not will to do, I am no longer doing it, but sin will which dwells in me. I find a principle then that evil is present in me, the one who wills to do good. I joyfully agree with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Do you see how, how he's talking about a, a law of dynamics that goes on? It's a law that when I put myself under the commandments, when I tell myself I should give this guy a couple bucks, the law of sin dynamic springs to life in this law of dynamics makes me go i i i should give him money but i'm not going to i should give him money but i'm not well, i'm not going to give him money and it takes you prisoner of the law of dynamics of sin this is the bible talking it's not me this is the bible telling you this this was is a mystery that paul was allowed to reveal to us as christians after 3000 years of Israel being under the law, trying to please God in their own human effort, in always falling short, Paul is finally allowed to tell Israel why they fell short, because they never got to know it. I never got to know it for 20 years of my Christian life, but Paul explained it to me, just like he's explaining it to you. The, the pulpit never explained this to me, I never heard it from any of my Christian friends or my Christian pastors or anything, but Paul explained it to me one day, and it blew my mind. It was just blowing my mind that Paul said there's a law of dynamics which it springs to life or becomes operative when I start believing that I as a human being can take on the Ten Commandment mentality it springs to life and it makes me a prisoner and it does whatever it wants through me. This is a principle. This is like getting in the ring with Mike Tyson. You'll lose. Mike Tyson will beat you up. Well, this is like Getting in, every time we put ourselves under the commandment system, it's like getting in the ring with this sin guy, and he beats us up every time and makes us do what we never wanted to do, and we embarrass ourselves yet another time. And we've always wondered, why do I do this? Why do I behave like this? And finally, for many of you, this is the first time, just like one day it was the first time. For me, Paul reveals to us why we behave the way we do, why we fall short of the glory of God. Do you, do you remember? For we all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. For all fall short of the glory of God. We do because the sin God. we're in the ring. We're foolish Galatians. We're foolish enough to try and attain the goal by human effort Going back on the performance treadmill for God, when we get on that treadmill, it's like getting in the ring with the sin guy, and the sin guy like Mike Tyson knocks us out and causes us to do what we don't want to do, and it makes us feel like a wretch. We've embarrassed ourselves again, or we've done it all day long, and we feel so bad about ourselves that we just want to die, which is another a meaning that the Bible gives to a guilty conscience. It defines it as death. Feeling so guilty that you just can't stand yourself. You can't look in the mirror at the end of a bad day and you feel like a wretch, just like Paul did in verse 24. Paul said, "'O wretched man that I am.'" Who will set me free from this body of death? He cries out. He now knows why it's so foolish, Galatians. After beginning with the spirit, are you trying to attain the goal by human effort? He cries out and says, I'm not going to try and uh, try attain the, the goal by human effort anymore because I, I'm just a wretch. This sin is in me and it overpowers me and I always fall short. Why? Who will rescue me? Who will rescue me? I want somebody to rescue me because the performance treadmill won't work. Who will rescue me? And it gives us the answer. Thank be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is lives in us also. We have our human nature in which the flesh lives, but we have the spirit in which the spirit of Christ in us the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Christ in us lives. We have Jesus Christ himself living in us via the Spirit. He lives in us. And Paul says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ takes on the man in the ring for us. And guess what? He wins. The Spirit wins. The Spirit wins. That's why a little later in, in, so brethren, you are not under obligation to live according to your human strength. Verse 12, Romans 8, 12. If you are living according to your human strength, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, it's by the Spirit we defeat that guy who's in the ring with us it's not by our human willpower but it's by the spirit and who is the spirit christ in us the hope of glory colossians 127 by the spirit of christ in other words all cried out oh wretched man that i am who will set me free thanks be to god through jesus christ through jesus christ he's Given thanks to Jesus Christ for setting him free from the sin man. We have the Spirit of Christ living in us, and th- this is what grace is. There's an aspect to grace in which it's the Spirit of Christ living in us. This is our grace that we have. And by grace you put to death the deeds of the body. By the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. By Jesus Christ, In you, you put the death of the body, and this is what it's meant to live the Christian life, to be dependent on the Spirit of Christ to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's why Galatians 3.3 says, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? What Spirit? The Spirit of Christ. After beginning with the Spirit of Christ, are you now going to try and attain the goal of the Christian life by human effort? and say all over again, Oh, wretched man that I am who will save me another time? Do you want to do that over and over still again? Or do you want to just begin to start relying on the spirit of God that is in you, the spirit of Jesus Christ that is in you to love people through you and to express love to your spouse and not fail to express love in kind words at work and to do the right thing around all your friends and to say the right words, You, you now begin, and we all as Christians are supposed to use the Spirit. We began with the Spirit, and we're supposed to keep on using the Spirit so that we don't embarrass ourselves. Use the Spirit so that the friends around us will still like us, and we won't disappoint them. If we're so foolish as to use our own human nature to please the friends that are around us, we're going to disappoint them. That's what our human nature does, because it has sin dwelling in it. In the sin man, which was the whole idea of him, was a mystery for thousands of years, and it's been a mystery in the church, too. It was a mystery to me till... You know, just recently, the sin man w- will overpower me and, and make me embarrass myself again. So if I keep going on year after year trying to attain the goal of the Christian life, obtain the goal of pleasing my friends around me and everything, just try harder this time, just try harder this time in my human nature, the sin guy's just going to... Bring to life. He's going to become more operative, and he's going to take the opportunity. Remember those verses? Sin, taking the opportunity through the commandment. Well, that's what he does. He just gets powerful through the commandment, and he deceived me, and through it killed me, and he overpowered me, and he waged war in my members, and and, On and on, this Romans 7 tells you about that sin guy and what he does to you when you're relying on your human effort to please your friends. That's why you don't. You end up saying, wretched man that I am, who will set me free? Once you finally give up and say, Lord, you start pleasing my friends. You start giving them encouragement because I'm not very encouraging. I seem to be discouraging i seem to discourage my friends you encourage them for me i'm relying on you from now on that's why there began to be warnings about being under the law did you know that first 1 corinthians 1556 says the power of sin is the law first 1 corinthians 1556 says oh death where is your victory? Remember the feeling of death that comes over you? Oh, the victory. Where, where is that victory anymore? How come I'm not feeling dead? I'm not feeling condemned. Condemnation, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin the sting of this condemnation that you feel, it stings so bad, it's because of sin. The sin guy dwelling in you, he's the one who stings you. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't he saying the exact same thing again? He's warning you not to get under the law. He's saying it produces this feeling of death, this unbelievable feeling of condemnation. And he says the power to, for sin to do that is the law. But there again, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, because we have Jesus Christ in us. He's the one who is obedient to God. He's the one who can encourage our friends. He's the one who who can love our spouse and say the loving, kind, wise words that we want. We in our human nature, you, you I know those of you who have been married have said, man, all I've done all night long is put my foot in my mouth. How come I can't say something to encourage my wife? I'm trying as hard as I can to encourage my wife, but I'm doing the opposite. Every single thing I say gets her madder and madder and madder. It agitates her. It aggravates her. Why does what I say aggravate her? Because they're my words. And they're in bondage to this sin power that has got a hold of my human nature. And it's caused me to say things that I didn't want to say to, to my wife. But yet I, I can rely on the spirit and the spirit can, can say to her. And that, that's what we do when we said things and we've got our wife. Agitated, try saying, Lord, 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 I'm sorry. Just just start speaking through me, Lord. I, I can't get my wife to calm down. Lord, you do it through me. Thanks be to God through Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus our Lord, through His Spirit that's in me. Lord, you do it through me. I can't do it for myself. Are these scriptures teaching you something? Did these scriptures show you something that you never knew about yourself? Is this opening your eyes to why we would not want to live the Christian life through the commandment system? Is it causing you, are these scriptures causing you to say, I'm going to let the Spirit of God run my life for me. I'm going to wake up every morning and pray that the Spirit makes me blossom today. It's a new way of life for me. I've learned some a fantastic revelation today, and from now on, I'm going to live by the Spirit's power. It's a new revelation for me. I am going to ask God to do for me what I can't do for myself. I want the Spirit of Christ in me to be the hope of glory from now on, not the hope of me doing the best that I can. I I hoped in that for all these years till I understood these scriptures, which are just fantastic scriptures. I understood these scriptures for the first time, and it's changed my life. I know there's many of you out there that are saying this because I went through the same experience. When I got turned on to this information, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. I said from this day on, Lord, I am going to rely on you. I'm never going back to that Ten Commandments system again where I try in my human strength to obey those commandments and please the people around me and please you and please my boss and everything because... It's been futile all these years. That's what happened to me one day. I got a hold of these verses, or they got a hold of me, and I changed the premise for my Christian life. I changed the paradigm for my Christian life. I changed the premise. The premise is Christ now lives in me and works through, through me. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20, 2.20, remember, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but the but the life that's lived in the body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. He says, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. I live by his power through me. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. Just look at it. Just look at Galatians 2.20. He said the same thing that's being said here. He said, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who's living in me, and he's faithful to do what I can't do for myself. I live the Christian life now by the power of God, and I do not rely on my human nature to live the, pa- the Christian life anymore. And I'm praying that you make that change in your life too, in that these scriptures have opened your eyes to a fantastic revelation that only the scriptures can do because we're going to look at so many other scriptures that reveal such fantastic truths to you. You're, You're going to learn in the Guardians of Grace podcast what these epistles are telling us about the new covenant and the new way of life. Remember Paul saying, this is my new way of life that I teach My new way of life in Christ Jesus, which I teach everywhere in every church. My way of life in Christ Jesus that I teach everywhere in every church. This is what Paul taught. a way of life in Christ Jesus. He wasn't saying beware of grace. He was saying live by the power of grace. And he taught that everywhere in every church. Christ in us is the grace that we need. Grace is Christ. Christ is grace. It's the power of Christ that we depend on to live the Christian life. And I can't tell you how much I blossomed once I began to rely on Christ to do it for me. Four years later, I was not the same person anymore. And to tell the truth, I live an exemplary Christian life, and it's no sweat. It just comes natural to me now. God is working through me, and he protects me from that sin guy, and I don't have any problems. With these temptations that I had before, they're all gone. They've all disappeared. And he protects me, and I don't even feel the temptations anymore. He protects me from those, and he lives his life through me. And when I go to a situation, he just comes with me and manifests himself to the people around me. Remember, we're two or three together, and I'm in their midst? Well, he, he manifests himself Every time I'm around two or three people and I just rely on him to to speak. And he does dole out the words that are kind and the the words that are peaceful and pleasant and kind and the words that edify. And and I do not stumble and put my foot in my mouth as much as I, I used to. Hardly ever. It's usually always a kind word that comes out as wisdom. People think I'm wise now, but I'm just living by the Spirit of Christ. It's a better way. I'm telling you, I've found a better way. And it's by living by the power of this Holy Spirit, something we're going to look at because we're going to look at hundreds of verses that talk about living by the power of the Spirit. We're going to look at verses that talk about our two natures. We'll get into those verses and see how they battle against each other, and that we have a human nature and a divine nature. We'll show all the verses with all the synonyms that tell us we do have these two natures. It'll be more clear each time we have a podcast together, you'll get more and more revelation about our two natures and how to depend on the divine nature to live the Christian life. It'll just go on and on and on. There's so much revelation that we can do about this way of life and grace that Paul taught us of. We'll just look at all the passages that Paul wrote, Paul and James and John and Peter. We'll look at those passages and they'll teach us amazing things about our two natures and about what he did at the cross with our two natures and what the how the two natures affect the book of revelation and on and on we'll we'll learn about these two natures because they're the bedrock foundation of the christian life at least of christian learning but for now i just want to pray that These scriptures have opened the eyes of our heart, and we've been given a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and and truth has been revealed to us today, Father, through your passages that are right here in the Bible. I ask that just like the disciples on the way to Damascus, when they said, wasn't our heart burning when he revealed these things to us? I hope Today, your heart is burning as he revealed to you the truths that are in Romans 7 and in Galatians. And and he revealed to you that it's a foolish thing to try and attain the goal by human effort when you have the Spirit's power, his unlimited power to live by. I pray that we learn and we take root in these truths. Just, Just this one truth about the law of dynamics That works within our human nature. Just the one truth should set us, allow us to understand why we wouldn't live by that nature anymore. Father, I pray that you've revealed this to everybody who listens to this podcast so that they can be set free from themselves, set free from their human nature, and rely on the Spirit of God. The Spirit of you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit to live. We have that Holy Spirit. We have that anointing, and we do not need that a man teach us anything for that anointing is real, and and it teaches us to abide in you, 1 John 2, 27. It teaches us to abide in you, Father. It's the real teacher. The Holy Spirit is teaching us to abide in you. And I think today we were taught to abide in you. That means use your power to live, to live by your power. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. That means live by my power and you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, You can do nothing, and we can't get anything done apart from the power of Jesus Christ. So let's abide in him. Let's do what that little phrase, abide in me, means. Let's live by his power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.